Hello and welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad. The common wisdom in politics right now is that uh, Democrats are headed for a shellacking in this year's midterm elections. Joe Biden has been low in the polls. It's commonly perceived that the Democrats are on the wrong side uh, politically of, of many issues, that they overplayed their cards on COVID restrictions, that they're out of touch with the common people. Um, perception is that Democrats are, are too woke, too preachy, and even losing touch on education issues. Uh, meanwhile, the Republican strategy nationally seems to be to attack Biden and, and dig in on the culture war. Uh, Republicans are against critical race theory. They're against Biden no matter what he does, no matter what the issue is. Even today, we're recording this on Monday, the 28th. You know, Biden was walking across the lawn of the White House, and then immediately the Republican social media warriors are all attacking him for, for looking weak. I don't know, for walking across the lawn. Um, but it's just an example. But, but, then, but then also there's this extremism also setting in amongst the mainstream uh, Republican Party. We're in a place right now where calling the 2020 election rigged, despite zero evidence, uh, and actually, in despite of a lot of contrary evidence, um, is just a mainstream thing to do and think in the Republican Party. And if a, if a Republican state senator said something like, our elections are rigged, Donald Trump should be replaced right now as president. You know, nobody in the position of influence in the, in the Republican Party even blinks at something like that. And you know, I mean, if you're if you're a Republican and you vote against a measure to expand educational vouchers, for example, you're basically excommunicated from the party. But if you're a fake elector, you're in good standing with the party. And I don't know if people like like a fake. If you're a fake elector, that means that you wanted to replace Trump, even though he wasn't elected. You wanted you wanted to keep Trump in power, even though he was not elected. And that's, I mean, you're basically endorsing. I mean, that's a, that's a, that would be a lawless authoritarian presidency at that point, if, if that happened. So it's just like, but that is that if, if people like that are in, are in good standing with the party. Um, and if you say that the election was legitimately decided, it's like people are, Republicans are like afraid to say that. So that's all by, by getting to my first question is, <clears throat> is it, do you think it's inevitable that we are less than a year away from an extremist brand of the Republican Party in charge of the United States Congress and in charge of the state government in Arizona? Uh, certainly, um, Republicans should be headed for a big win uh, nationally and particularly here in Arizona. Uh, and there is... Uh, the prospect um, that even if the Republicans uh, don't change uh, their commitment to relitigate the 2020 election and, and other um, attributes of the party brand now that you have articulated, uh, that um, they could win nevertheless. Dissatisfaction with the Democrats are that strong. Uh, but I don't think that it is an inevitability. I think that uh, Youngkin in Virginia uh, charted the path, the successful path forward um, for 
Republicans in contested purple uh, states uh, where uh, he didn't disown uh, Trump, uh, but he created his own independent um, persona uh, and was not running as a Trump um, syncophant. Uh, Arizona is a place where I think that would be a uh, almost sure win for Republicans in this particular climate. But as we've discussed in the past, there's not a single Republican candidate running for U.S. Senate uh, or governor who is following the Yunkin uh, path. Right. Uh, they are all running as uh, Trump uh, syncophants. And Trump has had a disastrous electoral record uh, in Arizona. Uh, he mm -hmm. won the state in 2016 by six percentage points less than Mitt Romney won it by 2012. Uh, he lost it in uh, uh, 2020. Uh, while he was president, uh, Arizona, for the first time since the 1950s, uh, ended up with two Democrats uh, holding both of our U.S. Senate seats. Yeah. Uh, the House delegation switched from uh, a Republican majority to a House majority. Uh, and uh, Republicans in the, the Senate, the state Senate in-house, were reduced to their smallest margins uh, since the late 1970s um, and, and in 1980. Um, so he's been an electrical, uh, an electoral uh, disaster <laughs> for Republicans, yet every Republican uh, running for major office is following the Trump path rather than the Yunkin path. I think that gives Democrats a chance, particularly here in Maricopa County, independents uh, just pass Republicans yeah. uh, as the plurality party. But that's I think that's one of the that's, that's part of the power of the big lie. Right. Because if you if you if you're bought into the fact that Trump didn't actually lose, that he's not that unpopular, that I mean, it, it, it's that's why I think it's such a it's such a cowardly thing for Republicans not to tell the truth and say that, no, you lost Trump lost. even saying those words. Joe Biden won the 2020 election. It's like they can't they can't say it. But even not being able to say it gives power to the to the extremists that are trying to that are trying to continue down the pro-Trump path. Um, <clears throat> but you mentioned Yunkin. I mean, Yunkin, Yunkin was a, was a moderate in temperament, uh, you know, and on the, on, the, on the education issue, he advocated for, te he, he wasn't demonizing teachers. You know, we had a state Senator, um, Michelle Ugenti Rita use calling, saying the words educational terrorist to talk about you know, maybe activists or something, but that, that extreme rhetoric, it's like Yunkin, Yunkin was, was, was a moderate and, you know, he was trying to, it seemed like at least his rhetoric was, was, was more de-escalatory in, in tone and trying to advocate for like, okay, colorblindness and education, um, but not, but not attacking attacking teachers or whatever. I mean, in, in Arizona, we have, you know, we have, we already have school choice. There's no one held hostage by their schools here in Arizona. You can go wherever you want. And, and, and it was the governor Ducey, a Republican governor 
who made the decision to shut down schools. Me personally, like I didn't know what to do. Is like I didn't, you know, it wasn't my decision whether to do open schools or not, but I was ready to go. I was ready to go and teach in person when the governor, a Republican governor, ordered schools to be shut. And and like, yeah, there was there was you know, there was teachers advocating to to not wanting to go back, but like to me it's just so frustrating, just the extreme rhetoric. It just clouds any sort of rational thinking about you know, to me, very important issues, whether it's education or all the issues that we're, that we decide when we elect someone to, to run for office. I, th- I think you make a very important point. Uh, the rejection of Trumpism uh, by uh, independents and, and a larger segment of the Republican electorate than I think commonly thought um, isn't so much a function of policy um, it is a function of the way that he conducted himself in politics yeah. and, and his scorched earth uh, approach uh, to political uh, discourse and engagement. And you are correct. All of the Republican candidates for major office uh, are copying uh, not only his policies, uh, but also uh, his scorched earth um, political uh, operation and in, in, in the way that he conducts himself. And, and that's a big part of what was a turnoff to independence and uh, an accelerant to, to Democratic turnout. Uh, Democrats turned out in the 2020 election in Arizona uh, at the same rate uh, and even a little higher than Republicans. I have never seen that in 40 years of watching Arizona politics, Republicans have always had a turnout advantage. Trump erased that. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just, it's not, it's affected. It's not just the politicians too. It's the, it's the commentators. It's the, it's the Republic. A lot of, you know, there are some, and we should say that there are, there are some Republicans pushing back. Um, the, the Maricopa County electeds, uh, Paul Boyer in the Senate, uh, Bowers in the, in the House in Arizona, have been advocating for um, s- sanity and 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 truth, and um, and and there are some nationally um, as well. But um, but it's the con- like and so there's like you know there's people nationally like the Dispatch you know conservative leaning publication that puts out you know reasonable um, conservative perspective and analysis, but a lot of the you know you know quote unquote influencers or or you know um, Republican podcasters or, or writers they're also imitating that and it and it and it takes up too I just saw today. Like Eric Erickson, who's a who's a conservative writer and, and podcaster, you know he he wrote a Substack post with the t- in the title it, it called Joe Biden Grandpa Dementia, and then he was on Twitter like complaining about how everyone was unsubscribing from his Substack. He's like, oh, they can't handle criticism of they can't handle that I'm a conservative criticizing Joe Biden. It's like it's like, dude, you don't you know, like. When to be in a when to be in a conservative means that you have to just be a complete you know a hole and 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 like 
We saw Joe Biden deliver a press conference, right? Like two days ago, three days ago about the about the war. Answer questions, give. It's like criticize him all you want, but he's clearly not dement. Doesn't have dementia, <laughs> and it's like criticize him all you want, but especially now we're in. You know, he's our commander in chief. We're in sort of like a. You know, we're not at war, but we're. It's a very dangerous time, and it's just like grow up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's I, I don't know. I'm just. So I don't I don't understand like is okay so is it is it do they think it's advantageous politically do they think that's the way you win a primary is to, is to act like that like is that why Karen Taylor Rob, Robson has you know I'm a pro Trump conservative and and is that why her ads are like that is that why I don't know is that, is that why Matt Salmon's going on you know Steve Bannon podcast like why is it is it necessary? And I guess, I guess, going back to the original premise of the question, is this where the Republican Party is going? Well, the one uh, problem has with gone. my uh, Yunkin path um, is that Yunkin didn't uh, have to win a Republican primary. Uh, he was uh, chosen uh, uh, through a convention and in a much smaller subset of. Uh, voters. Um, but um, I don't think it's necessary to win a Republican primary to be doing everything that they're doing. Uh, their political consultants um, run polls for likely Republican uh, voters and and tell them there's this is what you have to do. And some of them are doing it out of conviction. I mean, the, the populist right was always about a third of the Republican uh, primary electorate, uh, it's probably uh, at least half now. Um, that those policy positions that uh, compose the populist right have gained uh, in terms of support among Republican primary voters. Um, so some of them undoubtedly are doing it out of conviction. I think a lot of them are doing it out of political calculation. Uh, but I think they may be miscalculating. If everybody's running in the Trump lane, uh, there's an opportunity to win a plurality of the votes in a contested primary, uh, not by taking on Trump. I don't think that's the path to success within, in a Republican primary, even though I think there might be a moral obligation uh, to, to take that position. But if you're trying to win the election, I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't argue that that's the way you you win, but if you were running in the Yunkin lane and everybody else is running in the Trump lane, I think you'd stand a good chance uh, of um, succeeding in getting a plurality of the votes uh, in a um, contested primary with lots of candidates. And you would have a much better chance of winning a general election having secured the nomination. These current candidates in the Republican primaries are going to have a terrible time uh, trying to pivot anywhere <laughs> towards the middle um, after they get the nomination. And, and it, do they even have to, though? Do you think they can still beat the the Democrats? <clears throat> do you think they can still beat the Democrat nominee, even if they stay radical? I mean, Carrie Lake's not going to tone down. I don't think if she wins. I think they have a chance to win. Uh, even staying, even staying the extreme. Yes, yes, yes. If, if it's a, 
Bernie Sanders Democrat against a uh, Donald Trump Republican in Arizona today. I think it's a toss up. I think either. But what if it's what if it's a, what if it's a Katie Hobbs against uh, Carrie Lake or or uh, uh, I, I, a radicalized or 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 pro Trump Karen uh, Karen Robeson? Well, I think Mark Kelly probably has the best chance. He doesn't face a primary. Uh, he will probably be the best funded candidate or one of the best funded candidates in the entire country. Um, he is an astronaut. He's kept a low profile uh, as a uh, U.S. senator, and he um, still has the sympathetic story um, about the attempted assassination on his wife. So I, I, I think he probably has the best chance to withstand uh, a pro-Republican uh, um, wave. Uh, I think a Democrat has a chance for governor. I think the Democrats have a chance to take over um, the uh, Arizona House and the Arizona Senate. I think redistricting gave them more places uh, that they can legitimately play in trying to achieve a majority. Uh, but right now, they are running uphill. There's no question about that. Now, things can change between uh, now and uh, the general election. Um, I personally believe that Biden has handled the Ukrainian situation well. Uh, and um, that may help turn the tide in terms of public disapproval of his conduct and, and handling of the White House, which is what is the biggest drag on uh, Democrats today. Um, yeah. But I do believe in all likelihood the political playing field uh, this November will tilt heavily towards the Republicans. So something to to watch for as those races, I do want to do some more some more podcasts in the near future, breaking down some of these uh, some of these campaigns, especially the uh, the, the campaign for governor, the campaign for, for U.S. Senate, um, <clears throat> and some of the other campaigns. Is it too late for new candidates to get in? Uh, it's, it's pretty much too late for candidates uh, running for either the Republican or the Democratic nomination. Uh, petitions are due in early April. Uh, there would be a longer period of time uh, for an independent to to run. Uh, there's a later deadline for them, as I recall. Um, maybe mistaken about that, but my dusty memory <laughs> is that Democrats have a little bit more time. They also have to get a lot more signatures. We have a, even though um, independents have now become the plurality party uh, in Maricopa County uh, and statewide, uh, actually, as the second party, they outnumber Democrats. We have a very anti-independent set of rules about uh, getting uh, on uh, the ballot. Although a independent has um, shown up to uh, make a run against uh, Andy Biggs in in a very uh, Republican-oriented uh, uh, congressional seat. And independents can vote in what if you're a registered independent, if there's any registered independents listening to this podcast, you can choose whatever primary you vote for, right? Correct. You can you can choose a, to get a Democratic 
primary, or you can choose to get a Republican Correct. primary uh, to vote. So you can still vote in the primaries. You, you, you can. The only exception to that are, are the, for the presidential nomination. That's the only one which are closed to, to independents. But in okay. terms of the primary in August, um, any registered independent can choose either primary ballot to, to vote in. Well, I, I was planning on getting to this idea of a, you had written about an education policy, this idea of a win-win. Um, and maybe we should leave the kind of the, I don't know, maybe just a couple minutes here. Uh, you talked about, I mean, it seems like in the, in the climate that we're in, the political climate we're in, so divisive, extremes driving um, the Republican Party and to some extent, maybe a strong extent, the Democratic Party as well. But you, you'd written about a win-win of this grand bargain of um, education funding. Um, but it seems, I mean, it, seems like, it seems like there's not really the political will for that, right? I mean, when you have Ducey saying that he'd rather have Wendy Rogers than a, than a moderate, or I don't, know if she, I don't know Felicia French, but he'd rather have Wendy Rogers than a Democrat. It doesn't seem like a good political climate for making a deal with the moderate Republicans that are still left and the moderate Democrats. Um, and, we can. We don't have to get into the, all the specifics. I know it's a long, detailed education plan, but I guess maybe we should. Maybe I could ask: like, is there any possibility of some good bipartisan win-win legislation being passed this session in Arizona between Democrats and Republicans? It seems clear that even though Republicans only have a one-vote majority in both the uh, state Senate and House. Uh, they're dedicated to just pounding out of the place um, uh, all sorts of legislation on a straight partisan party line vote and playing up the themes that you described uh, that they hope to run on in uh, the 2022 election. Um, but uh, they can't spare a single vote. So it only takes one member of either the Republican, either the Senate or the House uh, one Republican to say, I'd like to do something different, or if they reach a point where their uh, priorities conflict. We've seen that. Um, you, you have, the, you have uh, Kelly Townsend saying, no, I'm not going to move on, on uh, a replacement tax cut until my election bills uh, pass, while you've got a group of Republicans who believe that uh, trying to vacate the referendum on their tax cut is the most important thing to do this session. It is, it, it is a, a massively missed opportunity. The state is just so flush with cash. Uh, and you have the body closely divided. Uh, I think you could create win-win not only for those in the middle, but for everybody. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's it's just really sad to see. I mean, we we could get a tax cut. We could get a massive increase in uh, state funding for the public schools. We could get a universal voucher program, um, and still have money left over. And 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 so no one has to lose in this legislative session. Everybody could win. 
yeah. but at least at present, there doesn't seem to be uh, any interest in that uh, by Governor Ducey or the leadership at the legislature or most of the body within the Republican uh, caucuses. <laughs> but um, they are trying to proceed uh, in a very, very uh, narrow, on a very, very narrow path. And the way they've patched it together last session uh, by putting everything in unrelated budget reconciliation bills and passing everything at the last minute, uh, the Arizona Supreme Court is declared unconstitutional. Uh, so the tools so they have, have to option. try to bang through uh, <laughs> pure, uh, a pure Republican uh, set of programs and policies uh, has been restricted. So um, I, I am disappointed that nobody seems to be seizing the moment, um, but they've got a long way to go, and it may be that they get backed into it. Yeah. Man, well... We'll see how that plays out. I mean, everyone likes to say that they are a bipartisan when they're running in a general election. They like to say that they've had bipartisan accomplishments. Maybe maybe we can actually do some real bipartisan accomplishments. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, last thing here, uh, everyone's watching the, um, the situation going on uh, in Ukraine. Um, to me, it's just, man, it's... it's uh, it's a real thing, but it's so inspiring um, to to watch the just the heart and the and the and the fight of the of the Ukrainian people, um, and and just a reminder of how you know how things just how how uh, how how important some things are. You know that that so many people over there are sacrificing so much and ready to sacrifice so much for. Um, for freedom, for a worth worthwhile cause. Um, how have you been? I know you've got a column coming up on it soon, but any any quick takeaways you want to you want to say before we end the podcast about that? I, I do think that the uh, bravery uh, and willingness to fight uh, for uh, self governance. Uh, by the Ukrainian people, irrespective of what happens from this point forward, uh, has been a historical turning point. Uh, it has uh, united uh, Europe uh, around the need uh, to take responsibility for their own security interests and to recognize uh, that uh, Putin's Russia is a threat to that. Uh, what has occurred over the last few days um, in terms of European resolve and willingness to adapt uh, and adopt um, economic sanctions uh, that uh, are in the process of cratering uh, the Russian economy and uh, the willingness to uh, provide arms uh, to the Ukrainian and the decision by Germany uh, to increase, which has always been NATO's laggard, uh, to increase defense spending above uh, the 2% of GDP uh, required uh, 
to participate in NATO, although very few countries actually do that, um, I think is um, uh, going to be a historical turning point in um, the bravery of, of the Ukrainian people made it so. I just pray um, that it will not come at the expense of massive civilian uh, casualties and the complete loss of their sovereignty. Um, yeah. Hopefully this unity and seriousness of, of purpose won't be too late for the Ukrainian people. That's, yeah. that's my hope. That's my prayer. Yep. <clears throat> well said. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the political notebook podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you.